Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Steven. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Good. Real good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I'm excited that you're here. It's funny because when I first started the show, I had a lot of close friends, you know, like warm contacts that were on the show. And now, over the course of, God, the past eight, nine months or so, I've had a lot of people that were unknown. So I get to have these initial conversations with them basically right here live on the spot going through this. Uh, and you're kind of one of my first friends that I've actually had on in a little while. So it's sort of familiar because you're a buddy and we get to talk shit, you know? And then yeah. it's also us being able to actually talk about some of the shit that we talk about in some of our offline conversations. And I'm really excited to be able to get into this. And dude, I'm stoked that you're here. So Stephen, why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off? Tell us what you do for a living and what's one thing that most people don't know about you that's maybe odd or bizarre? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I appreciate you having me. So uh, I am an enterprise and account and business development manager for a software company in the uh, office furniture industry. Um, it's kind of a blend of my passions of office furniture and technology. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I, uh, I absolutely love it. So one thing that I would say when I talk with people that don't know me, and I'm introducing myself is I love to paint. I love all things art. I uh, can sit in a dark room and just really just all things art. I, I mean, I am uh, pretty passionate about about uh, the creative process and what you can do with your mind and get something on canvas. Yeah, I, I know we both uh, we grew up kind of as art kids. And that's an interesting perspective to then bring into the business world because that's how we met was through business and partnership with companies and all that stuff. Uh, and yeah, it's funny because I, I think of the meetings that we have, like when we're out at trade shows or meeting with prospects or even clients, like it wouldn't just normally come up like, oh, by the way, he's a painter. Like, did you guys know that? Like it <laughs> wouldn't just even randomly come up at most of the meetings, you know? Yeah, it doesn't. So that's why sometimes I have a hard time kind of articulating that just because it always surprises people. So I'm like, what else do I need to say while they're looking at me with this crazy face? Oh, this kind of like somewhat athletic dude likes to paint, you know, it kind of just goes against what people think when they look at me and what, what I do for a profession. But I've always found ever since I started painting when really I st started taking it serious in high school. It was an amazing just uh, way for me to take all the craziness that was going on in life, anxiety, you know, girlfriends breaking up with me, whatever the case is, and 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 put that to to some good use, right? Make something beautiful out of something that had might have been dark, right? So, I I love doing it. Were you one of those kids in high school that would steal off to the art room as often as you could? Uh so. Funny that you asked that. I went to a high school that was a college prep and I was an art major. So I never had to sneak off to the art room. <laughs> I was in the art room six hours a day. Man, wow. I uh I wanted to be in the art room six hours a day, but didn't go to a college prep school. 
I think I was in college prep classes, but, uh, you know, junior year, they were like, we can get you an art school or music school, but you won't make any money. I was like, well, guess college ain't for me. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty, it was a great experience because it was a, it was a public school. So it's not like you had to pay to go, but you had to test to get in. And I tested into that school kind of district system when I was in middle school. So I was lucky enough to, uh, to be able to get into that high school. That's pretty cool. Uh, Isn't it interesting how when we talk to people that don't really have that uh, creative kind of mindset, uh, the way that they build or process through creating a piece, it it can be hard sometimes to explain to them like what we do. When you think of what we do, you know, 3D wise and technology wise, it's sometimes I think pretty easy for us to be able to tie the two to it. But how do you how do you think of that with the creative and with what you talk about? When, in, when it comes to creative and just business and how I just look at approaching situations and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would say it's kind of an individual individualized process to like you as a person. But I think if I look at this as like in kind of across the board, I would say creatives like to be alone while they try to process that information instead of trying to have a ton of meetings, right? So if, if let's say I have a problem that's coming my way, I am one person that really likes to listen, get all the information that I possibly can, instead of just start diving in and attacking questions. I want to really understand what the issue is before I start kind of trying to throw pain at the wall, right? There's a lot of pieces of kind of going back to the art side of things that I've done, and I haven't really thought about what this piece might mean to me. And it comes out horrible. But if I sit with this piece, sit with this blank canvas, maybe for an hour and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start the brushstroke there. And now it's going to change, right? Like just like with any solution in business, it's never going to be exactly what you started and how you end. But if I don't really think about how I want that next brushstroke to go or how I want to spray with my spray paint, like it's sloppy. And that's the same thing with when it comes to business and solutions, you really want to attack it, um, you know, really methodically. And I think that's kind of how my creative process is. And a lot of creatives that I know really like to like sit by themselves and think about how they're going to attack it. Yeah. It's interesting. As you say, as you say that, I kind of picture you sitting there and just staring at this blank canvas and being like, where do I start with this thing? But understanding that you want to figure out what your intention is. I think there are some people that stop that thought from letting them do anything. Like it doesn't allow them to act because they're too busy thinking about things. Do you ever find that you're kind of in that? A lot of times I would get overwhelmed. Um, and then you just, then, and then you just shut down. So if I, if that's the case, sometimes I will just start creating, I will just start, you know, if it comes, if kind of going in between art and business, I'll start just throwing stuff at the canvas, or I will just start writing ideas, even though they might be horrible. Um, you know, some of the greatest founders will say they've, you know, have a notebook and they write down 10,000 ideas and that one idea sticks. So it's, it's not always just that perfect of me sitting there looking at the solution or canvas and then the something beautiful comes. Um, that's just like an ideal state that I would like to be in, but there are thousands of times I get overwhelmed with anxiety of, I want it to be beautiful. And then I am just kind of crumbling. So you have to figure out how you come out of that crumble, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk pre-crumble. 
and we'll, then we'll get post crumble. So what yeah. do you what do you do in those moments when you feel like, all right, I'm getting overwhelmed or I can start to feel it welling up? What do you do to 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 divert that? A lot of times I'll go to music, I'll go to podcast, I'll go to readings that I have kind of seeked comfort in, you know, like uh, Ryan Holiday is an author who writes about stoic principles. And a lot of time I'll just pick up and read a chapter of his book, or I will watch one of my favorite YouTube uh, creators or listen to a podcast. Um, that's, it brings me comfort because I've read it, I've listened to it, I've watched it a few times and it helps me take my mind off of it. So it's nothing that's mind breaking, but it's very simple that just kind of takes away that anxiety of I need to create or solve this problem right away. It's like, okay, let me just, let me just take a little break, take a breather, right? Because it's as simple as meditating. It's kind of like my meditating. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just like what they teach us in art too. Like if you're just beating on a product or a project, rather, you got to step away and come back with fresh eyes. So when you go to those things, do you start to feel yourself get to the point where you're like, all right, I got to do something really right now? Or do you feel it kind of setting earlier in the process um, instead of just <laughs> kind of being like, oh, shit, I'm completely in fuck. What am I going to do mode? Like, how do you feel that welling up to make that shift? Because if if you're in a tight spot in a meeting or having conversation or you have to do all these things. It's probably not the easiest to just steal off for a couple minutes and listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video or something. Yeah, it's not. So again, that's kind of situational. You know, if you're sitting in a in a boardroom, which I've been in many a times, or you're sitting in a meeting uh, and you have people that are counting on you, what I have found, truth is the only thing that'll set you free, right? I know that's kind of an old saying and it's kind of cliche, but if you're feeling overwhelmed and you don't understand or you can't present the solution or answer that might be needed of you at that time, just reach out to the group and say, we need to circle back to this. We need to come back to this at a later time. That isn't maybe always going to work, but I have found that when I try to bullshit my way through an answer when I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed, it, it digs me into a deeper hole. So I am normally just honest with the people that I'm around. That's a, that's a huge lesson. I know that's something that we don't really, you and I probably didn't really learn that until our thirties, you know, being like, I'm going to fucking keep doing this. I'm going to keep going and I'll maybe try to figure something out, but you're totally right, man. That's a, that's a superpower to be able to say, you know what? I'm not entirely sure, but I'll go find out or, you know, take that next step. Yeah. There was one time in particular, I would say, I learned this lesson the hardest way possible. I, um, I was presenting to some investors of mine from my previous life when I was building a company. I was giving them an update and we were not anywhere close to where we should have been at that particular time to where I promised we sh where we should have been. I got on the call, opened the PowerPoint, started presenting this bullshit of where we were. I got to slide, I believe it was slide three, and I put my head down and I couldn't, I physically could not talk because I know that I wasn't, t I knew that I was not telling truth and they could see through me. And, um, at that moment I kind of said, I would never do that again. 
right? So like if I'm feeling overwhelmed or if we're not there, just you have to tell the truth. You have like people will see through your bullshit all the time, no matter what. Yeah. Did you feel in that moment like you let yourself down or was it more of a letting down of them or what was going through your head? So at that moment, I definitely felt obviously that I failed. Like, uh, I put a lot, I'm very competitive and I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, so I did feel that I let, you know, I failed myself, but when you have other people's money and you have investors that are counting on you, yes, they know the risk, but that doesn't make it any easier when you're not achieving milestones that need to be met. And when we were really, you know, racing to get a product to market, it all boiled up at that one time. And, uh, yeah, I just really felt like everybody, I, I was letting everybody down at that moment, to be honest. Yeah, man, that could be one of those breaking moments. You know, there are stories of entrepreneurs, uh, that don't recover from something like that. You know, that, I know that was basically maybe not the start, but that was part of the, the thing closing the door closing on that. And some people don't know how to come back from that, be it a, a relationship that ends, a business venture that ends, or, you know, losing a job or something like that. So let's actually dig into that a little bit. You want to give us some background with the company and kind of a, a bit of a, an overview so we can dig in? Yeah, yeah. So pre-COVID, um, I had this idea of trying to bring affordable on-demand childcare to the market. I brought on a co-founder who was a really good friend of mine, an incredible marketing genius uh, when he was, he was a director at Amazon. That's besides the point, sorry. Um, so we had this idea. So we worked on this idea for a little while, but realized there were a lot of holes in this particular um, idea about affordable childcare, um, just because there were a lot of security issues and that sort of thing. So we, sw we switched focus and we started this um, on-demand learning platform. We wanted to be able to connect anybody in the world if that had something to share. And we started that, we made that change um, January of 2020. As we know, March 2020 hit, everything shut down. So from January to March, nothing substantial happened during that time. It was us really trying to refocus um, as co-founders and how were we going to get additional investment and, and move forward with this. But when this happened, we were like, oh, great. Like this could really, this could really help our, uh, you know, idea at the time. It wasn't necessarily a company really, really excel. So at that point we really doubled down. We went out and we raised a pretty substantial amount of money. Um, I was, I was pretty proud. We didn't raise a, a ton of friends and family. I did have a few close friends that uh, ended up, you know, trusting us and, and investing with us. But at first, my goal was to never accept uh, any friends and family. One, because my parents are parents that would say, hey, go fuck yourself. It's my money. <laughs> Very lovingly. But it's, uh, yeah, we're not going to give you any money. So we went down that road and uh, we brought on another technical co-founder after that time and just and continue down the startup path. So as you continue so, down that. <laughs> yeah, so we 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 knew that the idea based off of how many investors that we that we had was was valid. And once we started doing market research, testing, 
we were getting um, some kind of beta users and a very, very rough version of what we were going to bring to market, it was gaining some traction. And at that time, we had people asking us to invest their money without us asking have to invest. So all these kind of things were kind of coming uh, coming into play, which was, which was great. Um, towards the end of 2020 is when everything kind of started to turn. Um, our technical co-founder left at left at the end of 2020. We scrambled to find um, new development par- partners, which we were able to do so. Um, but that was kind of the turning point where we were really pushing a boulder uphill at that time. Yeah. And that's, it's tough. It's kind of, um, it's a tough hill to climb. No, I'm trying to get away from the pun there, but like it, it is no matter what you're doing, no matter what business it is. And there are a lot of people listening to the show that have either currently have a side hustle or they're full time in their business or they want to do something, but there's always that fear, no matter what that fuck, what if it just doesn't work? How do I come back from that? You know? I didn't, I didn't have that in my head for the longest time. And well, let me back up. One reason I didn't want friends and family is because I had maybe a nugget of that. Yeah. But I knew what we were building could be used by hundreds of thousands. I was hoping millions of people. So I didn't really let that enter my mind. Even when our technical co-founder left, I knew we had such a good relationship with our investors. We were able to find another development team that was able to help us. That was absolutely amazing. I, I might've been not kind of looking at the writing on the wall at the time, but I was determined that we were going to continue to make this work because we, we saw what the market was asking for and it wasn't quite fulfilled. And we knew what we were bringing could fulfill that gap. So I, I really try to not let that, um, kind of negativity enter, even though it was very hard, you know, it was incredibly hard when we fell on our face at the end of 2020 and, um, we had to eat that. Yeah. That's, it's a thing that's there no matter what, as you pointed out, like that nugget, you know, uh, I wouldn't ever suggest that anybody starts a business thinking like, well, fuck this thing ain't going to work. There's no reason to do anything like that. In fact, if you have no belief, then nothing's going to happen with it. At least positive, nothing's positive going to happen with it. Uh, but in that case of being able to keep fighting that good fight, that's kind of one of those balanced areas where you've got to know at some point when you let the damn thing die. And you got to be okay with that. And that's a difficult pill for anybody to swallow because for the most part, a lot of people put everything they can into what they're doing, especially as an entrepreneur. That's part of what's in our genes to just give it everything we've got. So how did you not set your character within all of that and still be able to separate yourself from it without saying, you know, this was who I was and now I have nothing left? Oh, wow. That's a uh, very loaded question because I think when you put your entire self into something, it's very hard to separate that when it comes to that time and to make sure while you're still in the moment <clears throat> to remember that there's other things that are going outside of this entrepreneurship startup, right? I am a most first and foremost, I am a husband and a father of two. Um, and I can tell you that building a company 
put the most strain on my relationships and marriage that I have ever experienced. Um, it definitely brought to the lowest point. But I was so wrapped up that that company was, it was gonna, it was gonna make me a better person if we were successful. It was gonna make me a better father and a better husband. So I can I can relate to uh, and admit that I was not able to separate it very well, especially during the time of while I was building. And I would say, as we were making the decision to come to an end, it was very hard to separate that. How did uh, I, I want to be able to have a takeaway for the audience that goes through this you know i know there are certain people that i can think of that actively listen to the show that i know that they've gone through it and if they think back through the process of what they've done it may look similar to how you and i have done those things by me getting out of my own company divorce all that and same with you getting out of yours but if somebody's walking down that path or that's in the back of their mind how do i get out of this thing that i built what sort of steps would you you know, lovingly walk them through, but at the same time, hold them accountable with it. Yeah, you have to rely on the people that are around you and you have to trust that you like, they're not going to let you completely fall. Like you have to hold yourself self accountable that whatever you built might not have worked. And it's, you have to make that tough decision, but like life will not end. And that's really what I had to keep telling myself is, you know, I have two beautiful kids. I have a, a beautiful wife that has supported me this whole time. I need to make sure that I'm doing the best for the people around me. And maybe shutting this down is that decision. So I, I, I know it's if, if, you know, somebody's going through that and they're listening and they're really struggling with, is, that, is now the time? I mean, maybe next month I might get there. If you're having to really, you know, hope that the next move is going to get you there, then you need to have a realistic conversation with yourself and say, maybe now's the time because we've all been there and that next move never got us there. And I really had to make sure that I was checking myself and checking my ego. So at the end of the day, it was, uh, it was definitely the best move, but I, you know, bringing this back to your question, I had to trust the people around me. And I had to actually listen to them and their needs. Hmm. Right. And it's like looking through different glasses at that point, instead of the ones that you're staring through the entire day as you look at your business, it's looking at something different. But were there specific questions that you started to ask internally as those things were kind of becoming aware to you? In relation to just the company itself or like, how can I come to this? Yeah. So I did ask myself, first and foremost, am I being the best father that I possibly could be during this process? And I was trying to tell myself yes, but I was not. Um, not being, not that I was being neglectful or anything like that. It was just, I wasn't present. So I was, when I was playing with my kids or I was helping them with homework, I was thinking about, you know, my startup. And that was the first, that was the first and probably last question I asked, but there was many more questions I, 
I, I could have asked, right? Am I doing the best by my investors? Am I holding up the fiduciary, you know, responsibility right now? Am I promising the market something that's actually never going to come? So there's a lot of other questions that, you know, they were surface levels that I was running through. Um, but when it came down to what really sealed the deal for me is knowing that I was not being a present father and how was that having a negative impact on my kids? Yeah, it's it's cool that you said that it was basically the one question and that your intuition brought up that question to be able to ask the most important fucking question, because I'm sure when you ask that and you say it out loud or at least in your head and you you ingest what you had just said and that answer comes to you, it probably came to you like a punch to the gut, like, duh, no. <laughs> yeah, there's uh there was a few more waterworks when I was <laughs> answering that question to myself and when I was, you know, talking with my, talking with my wife about it, because, you know, she, I'm, I'm luckily married to an incredibly strong woman who is not scared to say what's on her mind, which I absolutely love and said, you need to check yourself, right? You are, you're not there. Something has to change. Right. And uh, having a partner that can hold you accountable whilst being there every step of the way to believe in you is it was it was an incredible blessing so it was it was awesome and kind of what i was saying about listening to your people right like if i if i rejected that statement and said i believe in myself i believe like i've been at this for two years and it's still in the same place and i like what is that saying me of a person and not respecting somebody around me you know so that 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 was a huge uh, impact to me yeah. At that point, you're basically just like, no, no, no. Fuck you, woman. I and my ego are going to do all things. Yeah. Which we, you know, we all have ego problems. And again, like like those old sayings are old sayings for a reason, you know, check your ego at the door. And it's it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. But so difficult to do. Like you're you're building this so that you and your family can have a brighter future you can have all these wonderful things that you've dreamt of and you pictured in your mind and then they're not coming to fruition and you have to shift and do something different i know that can fuck with your head so let's talk about when you got you're like all right i'm closing this down and now i have to shift back into what's next you know be it starting another company or jumping into a project with some company but that's a different shift you go through so walk us through how you how you did that yeah, the shift was the shift was pretty difficult. I got real lucky, and I hate to sound cliche, but stars kind of aligned as as I was closing down my company to land me to where I am now. And I, I do want to say that it it sounds really difficult, and I know there's been a lot of like, man, I was in a low spot. I was in a low spot, but I wouldn't trade anything of about my past or my startup for anything like i would not be where i am at the moment with the organization that i am if it wasn't for my startup and i don't come from um you know a a family of entrepreneurs or really a family that believes in entrepreneurship so being able to have a napkin sketch take that to somebody and say hey this is never going to work and then being able to actually raise funding, um, build a team, have amazing people around me, co-founders, meet all these amazing people, have the experiences. I wouldn't trade that for anything. 
So with that said, I, I, I did ride those positives as all this negative was happening. I was, you know, telling myself all this was for something like uh, what I didn't just go through these two and a half years of at the end, you know, was hell um, to not end up in a better spot because yes, I did want to, I did want to build something and I didn't really have a, <clears throat> this grand gesture of wanting to give my family this, you know, crazy extravagant life. Yes. I wanted to build a comfortable life, but I did want to have an impact, uh, in my communities. So that's one thing that was really hard on me is not being able to achieve that goal. Um, but I really wrote those positives. Because if you go down that rabbit hole, it's really hard to get out. And there were a lot of low points for me when we decided to shut down this uh, December of 2021. But I kept writing the fact that something good will come out of this, even though it was an, an incredibly difficult decision. I love that you, you kind of wrapped that up a bit. Like that's a huge takeaway for anybody that goes through at a very simple that any sort of pain or any sort of length of time of some project that you're working through that's going to end, sometimes things just fucking end. Sometimes things end because something else has to begin. And we don't know that until you actually do the damn thing. It sometimes takes a lot out of us to be able to get to that point. So I appreciate that you were riding that positive, at least looking at that and being aware that, you know, fuck, I don't know exactly how this thing's going to end or what's going to happen next, but at least I know that there's a purpose to it. That's huge. That's even like resting on hope. So for everybody that's listening, whatever you're going through, whatever craziness, the job, the relationships, whatever the fuck it is, there is hope, but you got to believe that there's hope. Like Steve, I know you believe that there was hope. You were like, there's got to be something to it. Now, do you feel like that was something that came from how you were raised or was that just like a deep inner feeling that you just felt like, I just know no matter what happens, I'm going to be all right? I don't think it was because how I was raised. Um, I would say maybe maybe the latter, the, the, the deep inner feeling. But going back to being a, a father and a husband, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't roll over and give up even though I wanted to. So having hope that something better will come after this, something will come from this. I'll be in a better spot in six months. I had to ride that because if you give up, you give up on the people around you, even though there's sometimes you just might want to, I mean, there's still, there's still days I'll be walking in the grocery store and it'll hit me in my gut that I was starting a company and I failed my investors. And some of my investors were incredibly close friends. And even though that water is under the bridge and everything is fine, it still haunts me. So you have, you have to have hope that the next day will be better. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, uh, I always love to ask the question as we get closer to the end of an episode, what's that one piece of advice you'd give to somebody on their path towards self-mastery? And I think some of the best episodes answer that question before I even ask it. And I think that's kind of what you just did. But if you'd like to add to it, please, sir, go for it. Well, I don't want to really repeat anything that I've already said, even though I, I, think, having, I think having hope is key in just pushing forward. But one of the things that 
I would suggest and that I continue to work on uh, is to meet people where they are, right? So meeting people where they are in every aspect of life is probably one of the one of the traits that I that I try to do every single day, no matter who that I'm talking to. Awesome, man. Well, again, it's been awesome to have you on the show. I appreciate your time. Tell us where can people find you and where can they connect with you? Yeah, so I'm not a, an incredibly active social media user, to be to be quite honest. But if you want to connect with me on Instagram, uh, it's at Bloom Steven. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn. But other than that, I am not on any other social platform. So sorry to disappoint, but I am a very heavily uh, LinkedIn user. Yeah, I get that. Well, man, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure, dude. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. So what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts. and Check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. And check out the show notes for more info from today's episode and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. I'd like to thank our sponsors. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters. And so do you.